Thank you for joining me for another episode of Empower Apps. I'm your host, Leo Dion. Today we have with us Pavel Made. Hey, Pavel, how you doing? Hello, I'm fine. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm really glad to have you on. I'm also really happy to talk with you today. I'll look, go ahead and let you introduce yourself. Well, I'm pharmacist, uh, almost former pharmacist, uh, because last uh, time I found my IS dev job, and uh, I am also making apps for App Store for myself as indie developer. But for the last 20 years, I was working in pharmacy. So it's That's awesome. <laughs> That's such a great story. How? What got you interested in doing, getting into iOS development? I was looking for mobile development in three years ago, and I have a background on web development. I was programming in PHP some time ago, and also some Linux administration. So IT was my hobby for all my life, I think. And after a while, I started interesting uh, in uh, developing mobile apps. I tried uh, for very short period uh, how to develop for Android, but I found it hard for me to learn and understand it. And after some break, I got my iPhone borrowed uh, and tried the iOS, uh, how it works, how it looks and how it feels. And I liked it very much. And then my interest on iOS started. I have bought a few books, uh, watched Stanford course online and then decided to that I will try to learn and make up at the same time. So this was first quarter of 19th year. So I'm year and a half uh, in uh, business now. Congratulations. That's fantastic. I'm, I'm really happy Thanks for you. What did you find to be the best resources in order to get you started with iOS development? Well, at first I was looking for some reading, so blog posts, but uh, I bought also some books and with following a book, uh, you have to think as an author of a book. And for me, this was a little hard because I got some idea what I wanted to do, but the author follows some idea which he has. So this was hard for me at start to transfer this idea from the book to the idea I want to use and uh, make some progress. So I started uh, looking for ideas on the web and uh, not the full flow, for example, how to make from A to B to C to Z, but just the chunks. And uh, this is how my uh, first app start that I have some problem to resolve and I looked for solutions. So not the learning with uh, following the pages of the book. And this one was Stack Overflow, the blog post. <laughs> uh, but um, I found also that at some point that conferences from around the world are also helping me. That I watch uh, some idea 
and uh, someone explains it in the short period of time, but it's quite to the point. So you can uh, just use these examples or this idea and resolve your problem. So this was also learning path for me. I think that's really interesting because in the last episode I had Boz on and we were talking about how we learn via documentation and videos and stuff. And it's interesting that you like balanced out uh, learning just from some sort of curriculum while also just getting questions answered on the web, you know, either Googling it or doing Stack Overflow or whatever. So I found that really interesting that you kind of took both modes. Yeah, and uh, I found that documentation is very helpful for me at that point I am now. But at first, as you do not know where to look for and what to look for. Right. Uh, you have you don't know what you don't know. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest challenge is it's like you look at it and it's just a, you know, a mess. Hey, folks, I wanted to talk to you again about app figures. You probably already know them, but their analytics and their app store optimization. App figures really is about giving app makers the tools they need to get more downloads and revenue. Well, now app figures can help you track competitors from how many downloads they're getting and how much money they're making to their audience demographics and which SDKs they use. Their competitor intelligence really gives you great context. Say a competitor adds like a new feature or was mentioned in the news recently. With app figures, you can see if that brought in more downloads right away. Got a great idea for an app or a game? Well, with app figures, you can figure out how big that market is and how much money you could be making with it. And that's just scratching the surface. Whether you're growing your app or building a new one, app figures has the tools you need that will reduce the risk, but also get you more downloads. You don't need a large budget or a data science degree to do this kind of thing. App figures has made it affordable and simple. On top of tools, AppFigures also provides a lot of great guides and tutorials to take you step-by-step through gaining more visibility with ASO and increasing your revenue by learning from your competitors. They just released a free guide on that, actually. So go ahead, head to the link in the show notes, and try AppFigures for free. If you like it, use our special code EMPOWER3030 to get 30% off for the next three months. Thank you, AppFigures, for sponsoring our show. And then once you figure out kind of like the structure and the flow and what's the philosophy behind it, yeah. I think it just becomes easier to know what you're exactly looking for. Yeah, that's why I started uh, learning from documentation and uh, looking for solutions in documentation. This year, I got around one year of experience because I was able to understand the documentation and I was able to define the problem I look in this documentation. Because Google is well, rather helpful because you write a sentence and it throws you back hundreds of uh, solutions or examples. Right, right. But uh, you have to, in the documentation, you have to be very specific what you look for. Right. And you have to make sure you understand which jargon to use and things like that. I just recently learned term that I didn't even realize was a term that Apple used, protected resource. That's an actually official term for anything that you have to ask permission for in iOS. So, for instance, when you need to have like location data or health data 
or microphone use, et cetera. Like I didn't know that there was an official term for that. So I would have never known if I wanted to look up a specific permission dialogue. That term was protected resource for all that. Like, and I've been doing this for, I don't know, 10 years at least. And that, that was news to me. I just learned about that term. So yeah. Yeah. At the moment, you know that there is so many things you have to learn yet. So for me, the one and a half year, it's uh, quite a newbie in iOS, the developer uh, community. Yeah. So I learn from many people and the documentation is has its drawbacks. Yeah. It, and not in every part documentation is easy to use. And even if it exists for something, so. And yeah, especially if there's very specific cases, like documentation is incomplete or could be out of date, which I've found to be quite true. Yeah, that's a hard thing that you get to the documentation and find, for example, one part of the solution you are looking for, but then you follow links to another part of this thing and there is no another documentation. So you stay at the point that you do not know what to do uh, next. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that. Seems like conference videos were a big help to you. Ended up being an inspiration for you to create your first app in the App Store, right? Yeah, I have watched a lot of conference videos, but I found that it's hard to find them on the web because I didn't know what conference names are or where uh, to look for them. So when I found them, it was awesome because uh, I can, could learn a lot from them. But not all every conference is easy to find now. So when I was making my first app, it's Family Graves Map. And uh, the idea came that maybe I will make some app that will contain lots of conference videos in one place. And this app could help many other developers in my situation. They are learning, they look for ideas, for inspiration or knowledge at all. And uh, having the one place to go with uh, with these conf conference videos would be awesome. So after I released this first app to App Store on October last year, I decided that I will do this app. And this app is named CodeConf. It's now in App Store for every user. It's free to use. And it contains almost 600 videos from talks uh, from around the world. There are most of the talks are in English language, but there are also in Russian and probably in quick time, I will have also some in Portuguese language. So that's awesome. That's definitely something I think the community needs. I know. I mean, there's a great WWDC app, but or developer app, I guess now, but to have all those resources from different conferences is going to be fantastic. It's a great app and Thank you so much for building something like this for the community. Yeah, I think this was also quite a thanks back to community because I have learned so much from the community and this way I can also 
help others to learn something. I am not a blog poster or writer. I have hard to write some blog posts, so I cannot learn people, for example, this way. But providing this app and making it free for everyone makes it, uh, I think, easier for people to use. And almost 1,000 people tried it as for now. That's awesome. Thanks a lot. Congratulations. That's fantastic. So what were the big challenges you faced trying to get this app into the App Store? Uh, idea of the app was to be... Not a static app, for example, but to have some backend. So I have to write a backend for it and all data is live uh, from this backend. And during that time, when the app was ready for App Store, I have found some issues with uh, review. One thing, it was a newbie error that... I have created in-app purchase for the app, but I didn't attach it to the app in the review process. Because when you are making this for the first time, you have to do this an additional step because otherwise it's not connected one with the other. And that was one reason of the rejection mm. of my app. Okay. The second one was that uh, Apple treat uh, that my that videos I have in my app are not my own. So it was illegal from their perspective for me to use them because I am not the owner of these videos. So they were very strict with this and I uh, had to have official document that I have permission from conference organizers to use uh, these videos in my app and to stream them because all videos are streamed from the official YouTube channel. So I use YouTube on a, as a, as a video background for And that's really interesting. I've heard that like, so getting into the main topic, like I've heard that, legal tends to be one of the like big issues that folks get into when it comes to like the ownership rights of certain content that is in your app. So if you're using like external content of any kind, you need to have ownership or permission of some kind when you're using that content, even though it's from a third party, which I find really interesting. Yeah, I found as I was researching uh, this problem, I found that even using the images in app, for example, of toys that are copyrighted, yeah, there is a box with this toy and there is a name of uh, the company which made it. And uh, for people, uh, this was the problem that Apple have denied using of such images in the app also so they were they are also very strict with libraries use i think on test flights i was testing using uh, vimeo uh, streaming because some conferences are also on stored on vimeo and they have uh, rejected one of my solutions because it was using 
not straight the Vimeo tools. Yeah, so there are my tools I have uh, used, and this also they state that uh, I have to change this. So you were using some other like third-party plugin or library, I should say, in iOS that was not the official Vimeo library. Is that correct? Yeah, I tried it and uh, this was for tests. But as I want to show uh, my test flight uh, users solution with the YouTube videos and Vimeo videos, and then it was I had to change because they somewhat found that this is not the official solution for it. So, so, and for YouTube, I am using official API. So it was clear to use. But on the other hand, Vimeo API is uh, not as open as YouTube one. So at now I am not using at all Vimeo for conferences. I'm set with. I'm sad with that because uh, oh, interesting. there are a few awesome conferences that I cannot show in my app, but maybe in some future it will change. We'll see. Yeah, like I know I spoke at Swift Toronto, that's on Vimeo. So, and I know a few others that were on Vimeo as well. So, yeah, that is unfortunate. So that's a really another good point, I think, developers, especially indies, who try to like hack their own thing. Now, was it disapproved in test flight or was it disapproved for the App Store? Uh, no, this was on test flight. So it was not uh, released that I pushed for the App Store review. Uh, it was uh, test flight review. Yeah. Because I know, like, it seems like test flight reviews have gotten a lot stricter, almost to the point where I would say the test flight review usually tends to like filter out 90% of the issues are going to run into before you've even submitted it to the official app store. But yeah, the whole point about like using an official API and not using an official API, it goes back to the whole thing about legality. Apple does not want stuff on their app store that might skirt official rules. Yeah, it's very strict with that. And even if you try to make some hacks, uh, they find this wise that you are not using the official or legal content and they will deny you at all. So were there any other issues that you ran into when you submitted CodeConf? Yeah, I think the biggest one for me was to understand uh, why Apple doesn't let me to use in-app auto-renewable subscriptions. Because the idea of my app is to allow everyone to use it for free without paying for the viewing the content. But it has some few features additional that let you make this watching and managing these videos uh, easier or way to manage it in very convenient way because it allows you to when you have this premium package, uh, make some favorites, make uh, favorite speaker notifications, or making uh, creating your watch list. Yeah, so when you browse the talks, uh, uh, you can save it to the watch list and watch later, and you will not lose this talk uh, you have found. And that was the first set of features I wanted to have as a premium package. 
and reviewers state that this is not the ongoing content when the user is creating those, for example, watch lists or favorites, and they wanted to make something that will user use almost every time they use app when they have this subscription. And if at first I even didn't understand what they want from me to do, but as I sit and think what I can do to make this ongoing content, because when I compared to other apps which have in-app purchases and auto-renewable subscriptions, from my perspective as a user, I didn't felt that my app lacks of some feature that probably can be this auto-renewable subscription. And I got one feature that I didn't plan to implement in first version of my app, but creating it made the review successful and they allowed me finally to use auto-renewable subscriptions. And that feature was VTOC recommendations. Hello, everyone. I want to let you know about my speaking schedule for the rest of the year. I will, in fact, be speaking at three conferences over the next month. These include iOS DevCamp DC 2020 on October 30th, as well as releasing two videos for the online conference Back to Mac on November 6th and 7th. You can find links to both those conferences in the show notes below. But In the middle of November, between the 17th and 20th of November, I will be also speaking at NS Spain 2020, which will be, of course, a remote conference, just as all these conferences this year are. And for those of you who don't know, NS Spain is one of the most well-known conferences about Apple platform development, and it is going to be this year online carefully crafted by the community for the community. And it will be going on for a continuous 36 hours. This is going to be amazing. If you've been a listener of the show, you probably are familiar with some of our guests, such as Paul Hudson and Donnie Walls, who will both be speaking there. I will be speaking, of course, and my topic will be something that is near and dear to me. My talk at NS Spain 2020 will be on Swift Packages the dependency management of the future. If you've heard me talk about Swift packages before, then you know how much I'm interested and excited to be speaking on this topic. So if you are interested in going to NS Spain this year, then you can get a 10% discount by using the promo code MPOWERAPPS, all one word, again, MPOWERAPPS, to get 10% off your ticket to NS Spain this year. I highly recommend you check this conference out. There's going to be a great set of speakers. And with 10% off, this is really reasonable to attend from the comfort of your home. Thank you to iOS DevCamp DC and Back to Mac for inviting me to speak this year. And most especially, thank you, NS Spain, for offering a discount to our listeners and for inviting me to speak. These are some great conferences. I highly recommend you attend them. And if you do, I look forward to seeing you there. Bye. Interesting. I'm wondering, like, 
that seems an interesting situation where you have like an app purchase and you just want to add certain features. Was it maybe like the type of subscription that you use that could have been the determining force? Like, because there's other apps I've used that have third-party APIs and have in-app purchases that add certain features to the user interface. So I'm like really curious why they didn't allow your set of features such as favorites and, and things like that. They didn't allow those as necessarily in-app purchases. I also have no idea why it was like that, but uh, they suggested me that they allow me to use subscriptions, but not the auto-renewable ones. Okay, interesting. Yeah. But from iOS dev perspective, it is better a lot if you have these auto-renewable subscriptions. So I tried to make my best and, and get, uh, get it as I planned long time before. Yeah. yeah. So let's start off with the first big controversy this year, which was with the folks at Bandcamp and their app, Hey. I don't know if you want to get into this, Pavel, but what exactly happened with Hey this year? Uh, well, they, I, Apple in review denied Hey to accept uh, to the apps to the Hey app, which was unusable if you do not have any account. And the problem was that you could not create this uh, account inside the app. You could create the account on the website and then having these uh, credentials could log in into the, on the iOS device. Yeah. So for Apple, this was the problem that they said that you cannot use uh, the app that does nothing. It has to does make something before it's accepted in the app store. And the problem is that it was not the first app that has this idea that you log have credentials and you log in and you start using the app because there were many other apps that use the same concept and are already available in app store. Yeah. I think like Netflix is the big the elephant in the room that gets away with a lot of things that most developers can't. How did how did this end up getting resolved? Uh, well, I decided to create option to make in app uh, the trial account, so you are you were were able to create the app, log in, and use it for free for 14 days, if I remember correctly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think that's right. So, this makes Apple happy, if we can say this. <laughs> <laughs> that app make have some features for the user. So you can create account, you can log in to this account and use the app. So this change was enough for Apple to allow them back in the App Store. Yeah, and then the other controversy we had this summer was with the folks at Automatic. We actually, I had Aaron Douglas on who works on the WordPress app, and we talked about the issue that WordPress ran into was apparently somewhere in the app you could have gotten into a web view to where you'd purchase WordPress.com hosting so there's WordPress, which is just an open source project that you can install on any old PHP yep. server. But then there's WordPress.com, which is basically WordPress's 
hosting host offering that they have. And apparently there was a way in the app that the reviewer had found that you can buy hosting. And that essentially skirts getting away from doing in-app purchases. And that, that was why they ended up getting rejected. And I believe like with both of these apps and including, Hey, like this wasn't the first release that got rejected. It was a ladder release where it was found. So even though your app may have already been accepted, it could get rejected later for a feature or flaw that had already existed earlier. So that's something to keep in mind. WordPress, they worked it out with Apple and wasn't as big of a deal as it was made in the press, but it's still good to keep in mind that you, even if it's accidental, if you end up skirting the in-app purchase stuff, Apple gets pretty pissed about that. Yeah, I think that if Apple finds some issue with the app during the first release or during the some updates, they are very strict with their statement. They do not change their mind uh, during some conversation or even escalation of the problem with this app. You have to make it straight as Apple wants you to, because otherwise you end up with uh, full rejection or even you are out of App Store. Yeah, agreed. That's the thing is like Apple has all the power in these situations. I mean, that's something to keep in mind and is like from the indie developer for to the biggest company in most situations, Apple is the one with all the power. Unless you have an app with a large enough audience, i.e. Facebook, Netflix, like you're pretty much not going to be able to get away with getting around Apple's rules uh, more or less. Yeah, I remember the case with Facebook, as you said, maybe not with the app itself, but even if Facebook have been using uh, not uh, this... Uh, the enterprise, enterprise certificates, is that what you're thinking? Yeah. yeah. So they were using uh, these certificates to install the app on the devices they are not allowed to install. Yeah. And uh, Apple also have blocked whole Facebook and all Facebook devices they were using with just the revocation of these enterprise certificates. So even it's such big company as uh, Facebook, they are very strict with their rules. And I think this consistency that every one have to use and keep up with the rules Apple states. From one perspective, it's okay, but the Apple uses its guidelines as a guidelines. And the, it is not, not everyone have to fill every guideline in the same manner. I think. Yeah. So this is not the very fine way from the Apple, but we have to live with it that because companies have some uh, better uh, treating from Apple. Yeah, agreed, agreed. And then before we cover the biggest, the elephant in the room, I wanted to cover the whole game streaming controversy. So there's this whole new technology where folks like Amazon, Google, Microsoft in particular, have enabled their... Basically, you can play games on various devices without actually having the console. 
uh, by basically streaming the video and streaming the input from your game controller to some server in the cloud, essentially, and then playing the video game that way. Google Stadia, I forgot what the Amazon one was called that just came out a few few weeks ago. Yeah, I think the most... Do you remember the name? No, I, I'm sorry, I'm not a gamer, so I don't know. Keep... <laughs> I'm a gamer, but I don't, I'm not a gamer in those those spheres. But the big one was obviously Microsoft xCloud and the controversy there. They wanted to put an app in the App Store you so you can play any Xbox game you want in the cloud on your iOS device, especially at iPad. And basically Apple didn't allow it because of the way – it sounds like it's partially the controversy of you can play any game you want. And Apple kind of wanted them to have like a separate app for each game that would then use the service, which sounds like a mess, both for usability and main maintenance. Yeah, I don't know. What else did I miss? Yeah, I think that Apple is aware that with such solutions as uh, game streaming, they are losing the power of control. Right. So That's a big the part of it. So the power of control is on the provider of these streaming services then and not the on Apple. And Apple wants to keep the power on its behalf. So I think this is the main problem with these services. Yeah, and it's really unfortunate because, you know, something like Netflix essentially does the same thing, but without interactive content. Netflix doesn't have to have a separate app icon for each show or movie. Yeah. And it just seems like the kind of, there's sort of a lack, there's a lack of foresight in how future technologies will affect how the iPhone is used. And I don't think when the app rules were first thought out of, Game stream was never thought of as an actual like viable service on the iPhone. So like they don't have the ability to, to, to kind of take that on in a way that's useful and fun and easy on developers to take care of. And now it's kind of a mess, so to speak, when it comes to having game streaming platforms on iOS. So now people just end up having to use an Android tablet or an Android or a Chrome TV in order to do it, which is unfortunate. Yeah, I think that at some point these guidelines will change because the market will be too big to lose the money from it. So I think think that if Apple finds the way to make some profits from these streaming services and to force uh, these providers to give Apple money, as part of some of the money they make from these services. And I think that then it will be possible to stream games on the iPhone or iPad. So I think the cash is all the thing. <laughs> so, yeah, I agree. And speaking of cash and gaming, let's, of course, cover the biggest elephant in the room with Fortnite. Fortnite, I mean, they blatantly got tried to get around the whole in-app purchase thing. And that costs severely and they've kind of taken rather than acquiescing to Apple in many ways, um, they've just go ahead and now they're suing them and who knows how long that's going to take. Well, I have read that uh, the case on the card is on May 21. So it's long months uh, before they some judgment uh, from, right. from this case but i and there's been a lot of back and forth about like their unreal real tournament engine and whether fortnite has the right to post the app on the mac even outside of the app store because there's certain certifications you need in order to get an yeah. app on a mac 
I think that Fortnite case is they wanted to test how Apple is strict with the rules. The rules were open that if you have some purchases in app, you have to use in app purchases from Apple. You cannot do any other tricks. There are many apps that you pay outside of, of the app for the content, but uh, you cannot drive user to this place when you have to buy. Uh, he can buy these services, so he can have to find a way on his behalf. Yeah, And the Fortnite tried to make it very straight without any without keeping any rules uh, so so they yes, they exactly. they forced to use side by side in app purchases and their own basket for buying things so this was i think the most important rule of the app store yeah because that was broken by fortnite so as I see this case, as I in the dev uh, with some enough purchases in conf, I'm a little person in the market, very little, yeah. And uh, I think that uh, paying this 30% of uh, provision to the Apple and having access to the worldwide market is fair. I think that's fair because if I didn't have access to the App Store, I will not have access to users from around the world. Yeah, yeah that's a totally fair point. And so I think something I wanted to really get into is just what what are some things folks should look out for when they even I would even go so far as to say when they have an app idea. And I think we've kind of touched on a few of those. Making sure you have the legal right to use the content in your app. I think that's a big part of it. If you're using copyrighted material, make sure you have documentation that you have, you know, the right to do that. Otherwise, you know, make sure it's creative commons. Yeah, I think that this case is is very important because every app in App Store is reviewed in very, very many ways. So this is not only how the app works because it should not crash, for example, on the start because it will be also rejected. Yeah. But uh, what app does and if it's, for example, have some gambling uh, in it. So I remember the case from, I think, last year where some newspaper apps were rejected because Apple said that they allow to open URLs from to the web pages, for example, from this newspaper. And they said that opening URLs allow you to go to the gambling sites and the app was rejection for allowing gambling. So this was also the case, but... And uh, it was uh, rather quickly resolved, but uh, also Apple Streets some opening URL can be denied for, for the app. I think there's a really good article I read recently by David Scher on why Apple doesn't allow third-party watch faces and why may, we might not be ever getting third-party watch faces. There were obviously issues with battery life and buggy code and and Apple's image and stuff. But the last reason I found really interesting and it it pertains to our conversation here, but like the whole idea of copyright, it made me realize how important it is for Apple to make sure they don't do anything 
that crosses the line legally. And he talks about how, like, Apple has been uh, very painstakingly, like, certain and careful about what they do with their own watch faces precisely because they don't want to mess with Apple legal. And I think gives you some perspective about how Apple looks at even your apps in their app store and how you don't want to cross those paths. Yeah, I think that Apple with how it's big, it's can be a target for suing it for many things. Yeah, yep, agreed. So they and sued for big money. For example, yeah. yeah. So yep. uh, their legal department uh, keeps everything very strict because of that. I think that they do not want to have been sued because of some devs issue or using by any dev uh, illegal content. So yep. I think this is the thing why they are very strict with these uh, legal content issues. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And then the, the other thing you mentioned uh, specifically with your app is taking shortcuts with third-party APIs, right? Yeah, that was also the case. And I think you cannot go the shortest way because even it's maybe convenient for you as a developer because it's cheaper, it's easier to do, but... Even if at first it will go through the test flight review, I think day when you want to release the app in App Store, it will be rejected and you have to fix all these things before I, uh, they accept you. Yeah, agreed. And then last, and I think certainly not least, is anything that kind of skirts or bends the rules when it comes to in-app purchases. You know, whether that's, trying to get around it, trying to sell something that just isn't, you know, according to Apple, following the guidelines, having any sort of browser view that kind of skirts in-app purchases. I think that's something to just be careful of when you do it and make sure it follows the guidelines that Apple has available. Yeah, and I think that maybe guidelines are not easy to understand in many points. Uh, absolutely, absolutely, mm, yeah. Even if you read word by word these guidelines, in many ways you will find that it's hard to get the Apple's point what they want you to do. So I tried to talk with the reviewer, but on the review when you are, you will not get any tips what to do. Because as they said to me on the review, they are describing or replying to features I have, but they will not tell you what feature you have to do, you should have to be accepted with, uh, for example, subscri auto renewable subscriptions. So I have to find it myself what they will accept as this subscription. Yeah. So you can't, you can ask questions, yeah. but you probably won't have any answer that will help you at all. Yeah. I want to definitely state that like the guy following the guidelines. Well, I'd say following the guidelines are easy in 80% of cases. It's those 20% yeah. where it's like becomes ambiguous and challenging. And I think a few tips is like 
One thing I've suggested to folks is putting your app in the App Store, like do an MVP in the App Store to make sure that you your MVP can be approved by Apple. What's the least amount of work so you can just test and make sure that you're following guidelines um, before spending a lot of time building the most robust app you can possibly have and find out that the whole idea is against Apple's rules. That's something to keep in mind. The other thing I was going to say is take advantage of the hours during uh, WWDC. I had a really great conversation with one of the folks at Apple about why I couldn't use imagery from Nintendo games in my watch app. For those of you who aren't familiar, Heart Twitch, you can show off yeah. uh, your heart rate when you're streaming. And I have video clips and screenshots of me playing like Mario Kart, for instance, and showing my heart rate racing while I'm playing Mario Kart. They didn't like that in the watch app store. And I had thought actually the reason being was that it wasn't actual watch app screenshots, but that it was screenshots of the TV. But in fact, the controversy was, again, because I had screenshots from games of Nintendo that I didn't have the legal right to use. I would have never thought of that because it's in the app store. So, you know. It was really good that I talked to somebody and got that guidance. Yeah, I, as you said about screenshots, I thought about issue of friend of mine when he has app that used in screenshots Apple Watch on device side by side with the iPhone, and uh, at first it was accepted with these screenshots. And after update, reviewer denied this update because it was showing the feature, the app, uh, uh, watch app uh, that doesn't exist for this app. Yeah. <laughs> but the issue is that one reviewer doesn't solve the problem or maybe missed the screenshot. And for the next one, when update was released, uh, this was the problem. And uh, this friend uh, had to remove the watch from screenshots and everything went fine and the yeah. app was approved. So so we have to also have in mind what you show on the screenshots because this could be also one of the, even if the app is okay, this what you write in description, app store description, what you show on the screenshots also can be a point for, for rejection. Yeah. Was there anything else we wanted to cover when it came to making sure you follow app store rules as, as much as you can. Well, I don't know what to say. Yeah. I think that, that pretty much <laughs> yeah. covers it to the app store. Well, as best as we can, it is definitely a challenge. And like I said, try to be flexible as far as features and also your release date. It is hard. I'm not going to tell anybody, especially for indies and just, you know, you know, be careful what you put on the app store content that you have legally right to, and you're not trying to like skirt the laws. I have my own complaints about the app store, most certainly. And I don't want to get into that in this episode, but I think like, I think we pretty much covered the basic guidelines and not trying to not try to cheat Apple out of money. I think that's the overall, uh, one of the big rules I would say <laughs> yeah. is, is be careful, be careful on that. Yeah, I have released my first app. It was approved without any issues. The test flight went uh, very fast and then the App Store review also. I was very stressed uh, how it goes because I didn't have this experience uh, on releasing uh, apps. And But idea of it was very original. I think that 
if you have the original idea, you do not copy the existing app one-to-one and that every feature you have in your app is the same exact copy of some other apps. You know, we know all that there are hundreds of notes up or some uh, podcasts up and there are any app makes its own room in App Store. But if you have some original idea, you have to, to make sure it's worth sending to, for the review and to make it yep. available to App Store. So these problems with review, I think that every developer, iOS developer, will have some issues with App Store review uh, yep. at some point. Maybe uh, later, maybe uh, longer it will take uh, for them. But uh, finally, I think that uh, every idea is worth uh, submitting. Yeah, I agree. And like I said, if you feel like, you know, like I did with Heart Twitch, I wasn't certain that an app like that would make it into the app store. And before I thought it was completely perfectly ready, I made sure it was approved before moving forward because I wanted to make sure the concept was solid with Apple before, you know, spending a lot of time on an app like that. And yeah, so good luck to those out there, big and small, who are posting apps to the app store. You're going to get rejected at some point and it's okay if you do. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's for having this rejection is the iOS dev life. So fastest you get this rejection, you'll better understand what they want. Yeah, I agree completely. Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Where can folks find you online? Well, I'm mostly on Twitter. You can find me there. And this is P-I-V-E-L-M-E-D-J-C-K. I think I have spelled correctly. <laughs> it will be in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Too. You can find me on my site. This is also my name and surname.com. Also in show notes. I'm also on GitHub as Nisander. And I think it's three places you can find me. So my DMs are open. So if you want to get in touch, feel free every time. Well, thank you so much for coming on, Pavel. People can find me on Twitter at Leo G. Dion. My company is Bright Digit. Please take some time and go to Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or Spotify and give us a review. And if there's anything you want to talk about on the show or if you have any topic ideas or feedback for me, please feel free to reach out to me on Twitter. My DMs are open as well. Also, you can email me, leo at brightdigit.com. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode, and I look forward to speaking to you again. Thank you so much, Leo, for having me on.